Oh, God. How do I do this? Check cha. Is Cha-cha? that a new shirt? No, it's an old shirt that fits me now. Ooh. Yeah. It's actually my band shirt. No one fucking asked, man. <laughs> I like that he knew I was talking to him, though. Yeah, of course I, I knew. It was pretty obvious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Adam, is that a new branded shirt? It's my branded shirt. I made it. <laughs> That's the David Bowie one, right? Yeah. Zadie How did you Black make Stardust. it? Did you did what did you do? You you can buy one at the link in the show notes. Oh, oh shit. Are you serious? Yeah. I mean, unless you don't want me to put that in there, but yeah. No, go for it. <laughs> yeah, in <laughs> fact, it's actually too. And actually no, 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 no. Adam is not allowed to self-promote. We can self-promote all fucking day, but Adam <laughs> certainly <Fans> only. not. <laughs> so, on, only music-related self-promotion and the occasional times that I stream on Twitch and promote it, okay? That's yeah, it. Yeah, and when Adam was looking for a job, he didn't say, "Hey guys, go look at my LinkedIn." He didn't do that. So, don't start bad habits now, Adam. <laughs> Wait, what does that mean? Oh, I was just saying you're not in a band, so you wouldn't do the same like shameless self-promoting that we do. Oh, I'm pretty shameless about it, just not on the podcast. You mean like when I That's talk fair. about Moniker's new EP Limbo sometimes? Yeah, available Limbo available now, everywhere? Uh, streaming everywhere. services. <laughs> <laughs> I had like a fever dream the other day that I uh, remember when we released our last EP, um, Imaginary Friend, in 2020, and when we were doing the yearly wrap-up, we co- I completely forgot that that album came out, and then I think it was you, Dave, who gave Adam shit for uh, not saying it was one of his favorite albums because we didn't feel comfortable doing it. Or, I mean, for, for finally listening to it. Yeah, it was that I hadn't listened to it. <laughs> he didn't even listen to it. I bought it, and then I didn't listen to it. <laughs> well, yeah, get this show started. Morning. Last time. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Don't Be the Artist. I'm Hagen. No, I'm Dave. I'm Adam. I'm Jackson. And uh, Hagen, what are you drinking? I'm drinking coffee, baby. What are you Adam? drinking? Um, some water. Dave. A beer. Well, unlike my co-hosts, I have, uh, you know. I have prepared for this episode, and I have brewed green tea just uh, for our special topic episode that we're going to be speaking of uh, in a moment. But that being said, before we get into that, how's everyone doing? How, Hagen, you uh, did some uh, like shows and traveling for yeah, yeah, yeah. said shows. I, uh, I, I had like a fucking wild week a few weeks ago where I played on a Wednesday and then I played on a Thursday and then on Friday and Saturday I went and played Austin and San Antonio but then I had to drive back and forth in between the dates and then right after that I went on vacation to Denver so it's been like it's been crazy but it's been like a lot of fucking fun it's just like whenever we got back from Denver because we drove I was like I don't want to be in a car any ever I'm good. I don't want to do that again. Like driving to Austin and back and then driving to San Antonio and back and then driving to Denver and then driving back from Denver. I was like, please, no, I love my new car, but never again, never again. (laughs) How many oil changes did you get in that time? Two. 
<laughs> Whoa, you're responsible. <laughs> well, it's so funny because like the the place that uh, that we take our car, uh, Dave Dave brought, like was like you got to start, start taking your car to this place in town, and I now love it there. But the first time I brought my new car there, they were like, "Your car is awesome, man. It's perfect." And then I brought it there for the second oil change and that whole exchange of driving and shit. And the guys that worked there were like, that's the coldest AC we've felt all day. We love your car. <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's they like, like your car. Yeah, it's like it's like dropping your dog off at like doggy daycare. And they're like, oh, he's just the sweetest. We love having him here. <laughs> um, I did a bit of traveling. I traveled for work at first, uh, like a three, three and a half hour drive into the middle of nowhere, Texas, to, uh, with another coworker of mine, break up some concrete. Um, and I came back, I, I went to go, he forgot some water. I brought water, but my coworker forgot water. So I, I said, here, I'll go get you some water and come back to where we were breaking up concrete. Like we had like hammers and like sledgehammers and we were like breaking up this concrete together. Um, and yeah, I bet you guys look shocked uh, to think like, oh, this is what Jackson does for a living. <laughs> That sounds can you, awesome. Can you use a jackhammer? So we didn't use like a jackhammer. We were using like sledgehammers, like the handheld, like how, swing how, over your shoulders. How big of a piece of concrete are we talking about? Mm, that's a great. I would say it was probably about like 10 feet by 10 feet. That's a lot. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so, when, so, I, so I go to get uh, my coworkers some... Um, some water and then i come back and i hear some music i was like that seems super familiar and i look i i I tap his phone just to see uh, is this what it is and he is breaking up concrete to the doom 2016 soundtrack which is (laughs) mick gordon which is that gent record that we told you guys about dave and adam and i just was like holy shit were you listening to that? And he goes, yeah, dude, Mick Gordon's a fucking beast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's probably pretty good music. It sounds appropriate. Yeah, he basically concrete. said, oh, I had a lot of like aggression and I just needed to get through breaking up this concrete. I guess, I, you know, I'm just thinking out of the four of us, who would I think would be most likely to be successful at breaking concrete? And I think you might lose that battle. Oh, you're 100% correct. I did terribly. I got, uh, I quickly got sequestered to the like fine tuning, uh, chipping away. And he was, this guy's very in shape. He's my same age. He was just going for it, getting the large like, uh, pieces out. Whereas I was like, after he had like cleared up an area, I would take a piece of like a small hammer and like a chisel and break it apart. Like I was like, looking for dinosaur bones yeah when you said that i was going to make the joke i didn't know fisher price made sledgehammers (laughs) oh you know they do jackson has one (laughs) yeah but other than that i went on a uh cruise in uh space i went to space and then uh i came home from space uh landed in florida and flew from florida to texas and I got COVID. It was amazing. Wait, I, question, question though. Did you, did you did you get COVID in space or in Florida? I know yeah, which one's more spa- likely. Space COVID. <laughs> to be honest, I think I got it in both. Uh, like, <laughs> in whenever every, I told everywhere. people, 
Yeah, whenever I told people that I got COVID, and they they were like, "Oh, well, what you what were you doing when you got it?" I said, "Well, I flew to I flew to Florida, so that's the first red flag." And then the second red flag is that I was hanging out at Disney World. So like, <laughs> yeah, I was really tempting fate. So it was awesome. I fucking I felt terrible. Uh, I get why you know I always understood, but now I definitely understood. Uh, be careful if you can wear a mask. If you aren't vaccinated, get vaccinated. It really sucked. There were like three days where I was really losing my grip on reality limbs were going numb and i was like i think i need to go to the hospital so definitely take care of yourself out there it's that's probably the the scariest part it's probably the scariest part is that you don't know how bad it's gonna get no absolutely not but all that being said i'm on the men now on the men's and uh you know you have the bends sorry you're breaking up what'd you say yeah we're breaking up we're breaking oh, up. I'll oh. see you guys later. Awesome episode. <laughs> this has been great. What about uh, Adam? You got any life updates? Uh, we're tearing out some walls in our house to turn it into a bigger room. So that's, that's you should, cool. You should, should call Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. Jackson will help you. Yeah. People always email us and they talk to me behind Adam's back and they're like, does Adam really know what the listeners want? And then he comes out swinging with we're <laughs> removing walls from our house i'm like adam knows exactly what the listeners want yeah it's like, super related to music it's great <laughs> what about you just, dave anything you want to no, uh talk about nothing exciting no just uh my dog got groomed for the first time and we were you talk about like when you take your dog to daycare when I, I went to pick him up they, they were like he was such a good boy and i was like okay cool and i left his collar there and i went back to pick it up and as i was leaving the door i turned i was like you would tell me if he was a little shit right like <laughs> was, was he actually cool and they were like yeah yeah he was he was good i'm like okay and then he fucked his paw up now he has to wear a stupid cone Ugh. that that, that yeah. like we are such adults that <laughs> adam's update was that he's moving walls in his house and mine is just my dog your dog oh, has i went a to cone space now. yeah <laughs> yeah jackson went to space what the fuck I feel like and I don't want to be in the car anymore. <laughs> yeah, Hagen threw a little hissy fit about being in a car. That's very baby of him. <laughs> but we didn't talk about the weather. Yeah, that's true. Uh, let's hope that uh, all, all our recording equipment doesn't get shut off by ERCOT during the recording of this episode. Yeah, fucking ERCOT. Well, let, we've, we've spent enough time just chatting as if we were friends. Uh, let's move into what really brings us here today. Uh, specifically, as I, as I mentioned, I have a, an appropriate drink. It is green tea, specifically the Rishi brand Super, Super Green Matcha. It is a. It gets the Jackson uh, stamp of approval. Uh, but what we're here to talk about today is Japanese special edition albums. I just want to open the floor before we get into it. Hagen, have you ever? You know, do you know about Japanese special edition albums? Um, I don't think I. I, I, I know that I've like seen it, and uh, but I have no like understanding of like the 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 history of it or i've never had the interest of like you know i i i want that but i'm also not like a a huge collector of things so i imagine for a lot of people like i i have a i have a friend who like he has basically a vinyl room 
and uh, he's shown me his Japanese editions of stuff that he has. Uh, but yeah, I, that, that's that's about all I know. Well, so I think Adam is the most collector of us all, maybe, especially when it comes to like music. Adam, do you own any Japanese uh, editions? I wouldn't say I own any, but I downloaded them illegally in high school. Oh, man. <laughs> Jumping ahead. I, I would like to own some Japanese special edition vinyl, probably. I just haven't tried to seek it out or anything. Yeah. Dave, I would assume that you really don't know much about it since you don't have a record player or anything yeah, like that. No, I mean, I remember just reading on like Wikipedia and stuff like that when I was younger I, that the Backstreet Boys had a Japanese special edition of one of their records that I was really into. And I was like, oh, it has man. a different song on it that I would like to hear. Yeah. So, and then I downloaded um, it illegally. <laughs> guys, come on. I'm ashamed of you. Uh, LimeWire, so, uh, baby. I've kind of put together this report. Uh, hopefully we can have a nice discussion of it. But in the very least, I hope to answer a few questions. So I put this together in a style of I ask a question, then kind of answer it for, uh, you know, the listeners. And uh, I did put together a document that uh, hopefully we'll have uh, attached to this episode. It has all my resources in it. Uh, so feel free to open it up. Uh Adam, let us know before this episode that we get a lot of uh, traffic on our website because of when we put the uh, that Jack Antonoff and Lord conspiracy episode document that is on our website, and we get a lot of traffic there. So uh, let's hope that we can do a similar thing, guys. I don't <laughs> think we can. No. <laughs> this is uh, well put together, though. It's like a school report. <laughs> That felt patronizing. No, I, I mean that in a good way. I was going to say it's a school report on an interesting topic. So, All right. So what is a Japanese special edition? So for me, I really kind of deduced it to maybe about two things that are very uh, characteristic of a Japanese special edition album. Uh, you might recognize a Japanese special edition by what is called the Obi or Tatsuki strip. So that can be Obi Strip or Tasuki Strip. For the you know for this uh, discussion, I'm just going to refer to it as the Obi Strip. That, in my research, seems to be the most frequent term that is used. Uh, the Obi Strip that loosely means spine card in English. Uh, that's a loose translation. Uh, if you're not familiar with that, uh, uh, first of all, Dave, are you familiar with what the Obi Strip is? No. Um, maybe. Is that on like the, the outside of the cellophane wrapping? Yeah, so what it is, is the Obi Strip is a column, which is usually on the left-hand side. That's not strictly. Sometimes it can be in the middle. It can be all over the place. People have gotten creative over the years, but traditionally it's on the left side of the CD or the vinyl record that contains uh, such information as the title of the project, uh, the track listing, price, catalog number, and information on that related release. So it's typically like you know an inch two inches and it's just like a piece of paper that they put on top of a like just a regular album and so really the purpose of that is uh we'll get into why we have japanese releases later in this report but the reason for that is you are 
almost 90% of the time getting, uh, I have an example in this report of Paul McCartney's record three. Um, what you see there is the regular uh, American or the Western release, and they just threw on that Obi strip in order for the Japanese listeners to say, okay, they're, this is the Japanese release as opposed to the regular uh, Western release. So since the Obi strip is typically made of simple materials, such as uh, you get a very, you know, kind of a thick paper or a cardboard material, because of that, a release that has the strip still intact is popular among collectors and fetches a higher price tag. So I have one Japanese release and I remember taking it out, like I bought it brand new. And uh, I remember like touching the Obi strip and just being like, oh shit, this is super fragile. I was pretty shocked by that. So it's pretty frequent that you can tear these up or people, if you don't take care of them, they they lose their value like pretty quickly. Um, so all that being said, Obi strips are not exclusive to music releases, but they're, and they're also used in books, DVDs, toys, and video games. So the Obi strip is not necessarily just for music, but uh, it is a defining thing when I'm in a record store and I see a, a normal, if I see the Beatles Abbey Road and it has, I don't think that that's a good example, but I see that in a record store and I'm like, why is this $200? And I'm like, oh, it has the Obi strip. That means it's a special, it's an import, that kind of thing. Um, does anybody, I think Dave, you already got it, but Hagen, do you know the second characteristic of Japanese releases that most people know? Uh, it would be like an exclusive track, yeah, like like a like a like a one or two songs that are exclusive to that release. Yep. And so this is the true meat of the Japanese release because the release will have an exclusive track or tracks that cannot be accessed otherwise if you are a law-abiding citizen. <laughs> So getting into that, what is a Japanese exclusive track? Adam, do you know any uh, like Japanese exclusive tracks off the top of your head? Uh, off the top of my head, no, but I remember them being a lot of maybe B-sides or stuff like that. Dave, at least that anything? I downloaded. So, Dave, I think you said Backstreet Boys. Anything other than that? No, not that I can think of. Hagen? I, I'm trying to remember. I, I thought that there was at least one Slipknot album that, but I, I, I could be misremembering. It could have just been like they released a bonus edition or something. But I, I'm, I could, yeah, I'm not sure. So this list that I have pulled up and is linked in the document uh, is by no means a comprehensive list, but these are very famous examples. So there's a Muse song called Fury which was on the record, uh, the Japanese release of Absolution. And so this song, uh, you know, I'm a Muse fan, and this song is one of their, like, live staples. And it was a Japanese uh, bonus track. And it became such a staple live, and fans were always asking for it. Every Muse show I've ever been to, there's somebody with a, uh, a big sign that says, Play Fury, It's My Birthday, something like that. Um, they... Uh, I was I never knew it was a Japanese release, and they ended up releasing it on like a special edition. Uh, another, you know, there Saint Vincent has one called Del Rio. 
Uh, Daft Punk for Random Access Memories released a song called Horizon. I remember that coming out, like, I don't think it was exactly when they released the record. I think it was, like, maybe a couple months later or a year later. But Yeah, I think that was actually when the actual physical record got released in Japan, maybe. But it's yeah, also it, available on a bunch of streaming services now, so it's not exactly exclusive. No, and you'll find that with the popular examples, uh, which we'll talk about in a bit. But, you know, people do comment that this Horizon song by Daft Punk kind of winds down the record in a different way than the actual uh, song or closing track. Um, you guys uh, know the the Foo Fighters record Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace. It had a Japanese uh, release with a song called Seda or Seda, S-E-D-A. Do you all know that song? I don't think no. I know that song. Well, there you go. There's mm. some, uh, there's some, uh, you know, fresh Foo Fighters for you guys. <laughs> and my favorite one, uh, Adam, you might know this one. There was a Queen song for the record A Day at the Races. It's called Teo Toriate, which uh, it, the whole chorus, it's Teo Toriato, uh, Toriate, Let Us Cling Together. And this was a song that they specifically recorded. This was a very rare example of this, of they recorded it for the Japanese release. And what it was is like they had like a chorus that was for the Japanese audience in Japanese. And like, that's cool. in my opinion, that's probably like the best example of a yeah. special. Yeah, it's not so, just here's a song we didn't include on the album. Here you go. So what is a Japanese exclusive track? These songs are typically live performances, alternate mixes, or even unreleased songs. So here's the best example that I found in this one article, and this is why I put that Paul McCartney album in the report. So on Paul McCartney's 2020 album, Three, uh, it had four special editions that each contained a different color variant for the vinyl and then a special song for each. If you were to buy all four editions, you would be spending roughly around $50. Whereas the Japanese release has all four of those exclusive songs in one copy. I think that's a really smart way of doing it. Frequently, though, you cannot legally uh, find these exclusive tracks uh, without importing a copy from Japan. So that's a call out to Adam and Dave. And it was only one time. Th- <laughs> it was a period of time in my life where the internet was the wild, wild west. Uh, the internet is definitely still the wild, wild west. Well, it, it used to more be so. more wild, wild west. Yeah. Well, well um, I guess. Uh, uh, I don't think kids in high school are downloading things on LimeWire anymore. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. <clears throat> I mean, there's uh, there's plenty of other formats for that now instead of just LimeWire. No, I don't know anything about that. <laughs> uh, I I I think that like, uh, so I'm I, I I might have done that at some point because like uh, there was there were definitely points where I was potentially also uh, involved in illegally downloading music. But if it, if it was if it was a Japanese edition, it was just because that's what I could find. I never intentionally like sought it out. 
but I think that the interesting thing here is that like the four editions on this Paul McCartney album, because there's so many bands that are doing this now, like so many bands to the ends of days are doing these special different editions, different variants on their vinyl releases, and you want it because of the different colors and potentially the exclusive song. So one, it's cool that he did a different song on each one, so you actually had a reason for doing it instead of just going for like just color variants. Um, but also that's awesome that the Japanese version just has all four songs on it like that. That's huge. Yeah. So the, these exclusive tracks are part of the contracts that the Japanese record labels make when obtaining distribution rights. Obviously we're not dealing with bootleg sources. It's these are legally obtained and these are part of the artist contracts. So that brings us in to our next section of why does Japan have this more than other countries? Um, Adam, do you have any theories on why Japan has this as opposed to, I don't know, let's say Germany? Uh, I mean, I assumed that it had something to do with just higher consumption of physical media. Uh, I don't actually know like when this started, like how far back it did, but I know during the CD era, it was definitely more common. So I'm just yeah, assuming so, that they moved to CDs quicker than we did and bought more CDs. Yeah, so you're not wrong. Uh, there is a bit more, though. Uh, the biggest reason uh, that they have this, even still to this day, it is a, a, a very popular uh, practice. Uh, the biggest reason is to encourage domestic consumers to buy physical media that was manufactured in Japan instead of importing. It's not for the collectors who are, you know, across the pond. Nothing like that. It's not for the Western audience. It's specifically targeted at the Japanese audience. So one report that I found said in 2020, uh, 70% of music sales in Japan were CDs. So, Adam, you mentioned that, like, oh, it, you know, they adopted CDs faster and it's probably different now. It sounds like... CDs are still the super popular method of uh, listening to their music. And that being said, streaming is currently much less popular in Japan than it is elsewhere around the world. And um, it's slowly increasing, but it, streaming is just not the same there as it is here. I've also seen like similar th- uh, reports that like South America, apparently they're like streaming um platform of choice is youtube music so when you go to a lot of uh latin artists that you know we don't really uh get uh pushed towards us as much here in north america they will have incredible youtube numbers as opposed to their streaming numbers on something like spotify i uh so i i wonder I, i'm very curious to see like if if like there are more okay so if, if cd numbers are so high in japan i wonder like if cars still have cd like m- more cars still have cd players out there or if more computers still have cd players as i was just talking to somebody today actually about this about they're saying cds are coming back and i was like horse shit no way there's, they can't they can't there's no there's like cars have gotten rid of them computers are getting rid of them like there's no like i was thinking about uh watching uh, a dvd of my old a high school musical theater performance. And I was like, how am I going to watch this? I don't have a thing that can play this in my house. I don't, I'd have to dig something out. 
like I don't have DVD or CD anywhere. So I wonder like if they have like a higher percentage of of cars that that have CD players still. Yeah, the only way I'm able to watch DVDs or listen to CDs is through my PlayStation 4. That is mm-hmm. literally my only way. Yeah, yeah, and that's that. That's the way that I would have to do it. I think is through the through through our PlayStation Four because I don't I don't have like I have like my Xbox doesn't have a disc drive, my both of my computers don't have disc drives, so like there's just no way. Well, you you touched on something, and I'm by no means an expert in the you know Japanese culture and the intricacies there, but from what I know especially in the popular, like the very dense areas, the cities, uh, they actively uh, disincentivize people to have cars. It's much more expensive. So it can't be that. I think people are like likely they have stereos at home and or they have, you know, Walkman, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I was going to say, I think a big part of it is the like hi-fi stereo with CD player kind of thing that still is a big cultural thing there i mean i have a very like limited understanding of it but that seems to be the equivalent of how people have turntables and stuff for records here yeah so uh another thing to mention uh the cost of manufacturing is much higher in japan a standard cd can cost around 2500 yen which is roughly 23 us dollars I don't think any of us have paid $23 for a standard edition of a CD, not a vinyl. Like $23 for a record is kind of reasonable. Not a CD, though. I've paid $23 for a CD. Was it like a special edition? No. There was Hmm. a point in time, especially, you know, I don't know, just where I grew up, it was harder to get stuff there. So things were more expensive. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, some cost uh, factors to consider are the value of yen, higher cost of living in Japan. Uh, there is a national preference for higher quality materials, which, uh, you know, higher quali- quality CDs is interesting to me because I think most audiophiles will say that, hey, that is like a compressed, it is almost as bad as streaming. Uh, and then there is a complicated distribution network full of metalmen, which I am by no means qualified to dive into, but uh, a lot of uh, things reported into that. So that is why you're going from the what I think most brand new CDs are like maybe 15 bucks and then in the US and then now you're seeing upwards of $23 in Japan. Um, at the average cost for a normal CD, it is still cheaper for a Japanese consumer to import their music from abroad. So what I'm trying to say there is even at that, uh, even at the cost of, let's say you're having to import your Paul McCartney 3 album from the US where or the UK, wherever it's being uh, mass produced, it is cheaper for a Japanese consumer to do that than to go to the store and buy the one that's actually imprinted in Japan. So that's where we get uh, the practice of the exclusive material, and uh, it created this consumer proposition of, do you wait for shipping to get your music cheaper, but in a longer time frame from the initial release, or do you pay extra for day one releases and you get exclusive material 
that the imported copy won't have. Plus, there is the higher quality package that doesn't hurt. I mean, if you're in that position, Dave, what do you do if you're a Japanese citizen in that position? I mean, at the time, it was not uncommon for me to be waiting outside of a record store to buy a CD that I was excited about. So I probably would have gone to get the special edition, especially if there were tracks from my favorite band that I knew I would want to know about. Yeah. I think, I, I think that's definitely the, the um, mentality or the uh, part of the human brain that they're, I wouldn't say preying on, but like taking like, uh, oh, okay, well, this person, if you're going in day one, this person's already ready to spend whatever it is, like within a reasonable amount. They're already ready to do this. So let's just go ahead and, you know, take advantage of that. They're going to buy the Japanese edition as opposed to the American or the Western. Especially because I would venture to say that a majority of people are impatient. So they're not going to wait for the import or they're not going to want to wait. Yeah. I think the, I think the only, like the only like thing that I I think of in, in situations like this is that like at the top of this, you talked about how like they, they do this. So it drives so it drives them to, to, to buy stuff that is made domestically, right? So the thing that, that, that comes to mind, and I, I, like this is just a thing that I know is like uh, uh, having like family in Germany, right? But like a lot of people who aren't in America love American shit. They love it. So like I think that a lot of times people are willing to wait because it's – like there's like this weird mysticism about American shit or like it like is um, quote unquote American. So it's quote unquote cooler. It's not by the way, it's maybe worse, but uh, <laughs> like, it, it's, 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 it, I think that that might play a part. So it's not even about the patience. It's just about like in that, in that sense, that is a col- that could be a collector item. If they do care about collection is that it is the American thing. And in a lot of cases in some cultures and some places that is like the weird foreign cool thing. So I don't know. Yeah. So that's really that's the reason why they have that's the reason in Japan they're pushing for people to buy this but that being said I mean they had to have known this when this became a regular practice that there would be collectors who are like well I have to have that track so that's where we get into the value and the collector side of this so the quality of the exclusive tracks comes down to the record label and the band i.e. Not all bonus tracks are created equal. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I mean, I love a good live take, but I'm not going out and let's say if Radiohead were to re-release my favorite record of all time in Rainbows today and say, okay, here's the in the basement, like here's a second CD and it's the in the basement recording of in Rainbows from front to back. It's a live take. I'm not going to go out and specifically buy that. Like live takes don't get me there and neither do alternative mixes. Billy Corgan with the smashing pumpkins has a real bad habit of doing this, of releasing like eight versions of one song with a ton of different mixes. And one will be like a dance mix. And it's just like, man, I don't want to hear this, but like, I don't know. Do you guys like, I want an exclusive track, something that was on a cutting room floor. I mean, what gets you out there? 
I think that would that, that that's what it is 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 like is just something I haven't heard before. If it's an if if it's a different mix, I agree. I don't I don't really care. Uh, if it's if it's a live version, just release a live album and don't make me do the whole fucking shtick of okay, let's re-release the album and then have this live shit t- attached to it. Like, but the, but my my weird thing about like bonus tracks is that it's like at this point. Uh, stuff on the cutting room floor makes sense, but also like, can't we just like it, it, it release the album? Like, I had this whole thing with Briston Maroney when he released his his deluxe edition. I was like, why did wh- like these songs that are on the deluxe edition are some of the best songs on this fucking album? And why were these cut? Fuck labels, man. Just being like independent artists, just like re- release what they what like what they want, and that to me is. I don't know. I just feel worried about bonus bonus tracks, but bonus tracks would be the reason for me to get that. Yeah, more yeah, so than than live tracks. Like a single live track to me isn't very appealing. Like a live album is more interesting, but that's just me. Yeah, I think what I find annoying sometimes, I guess this refers to streaming, but like if you know the rumors Fleetwood Mac's rumors album on all streaming platforms is the I think the only one that you can get is the remastered version and it has a bunch of alternate takes so if you want to put that album on shuffle then you're it's like you're going to hear the same song four different ways at some point so yeah, I don't know this one has Lindsey Buckingham's uh, guitar solo take B yeah exactly this one has Christine yeah. McVie doing some coke <laughs> no, that's all oh wait them. yeah they all have that <laughs> it's like that i don't know if you guys have seen that uh meme where like people are like oops all bangers when their uh like favorite band releases a new album it's like oops all coke hits <laughs> <laughs> like the dance so, remixes of all the rumor songs what like is yeah. there really a dance remix of any single smashing pumpkin song uh, so when i say dance remix it's like billy corgan put a drum machine behind like a oh, lot of okay. his songs so Kind of, yes. I've had to learn a lot of Shania Twain music. And uh, when I got to the... It was for a gig. When I got to the gig, they were like, oh, we're doing the dance mix version of this song. And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. it's probably you know pretty much the same. Let me listen to it. And it was like a techno full-on, like nowhere even close to the to the song. And I was like, I, I can't play that song. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know... Another thing that collectors say, though it's not entirely proven, there are collectors who swear that the Japanese releases are of higher sound quality. That being said, 80s and 90s Japanese releases have been proven to be true in this argument, but there's not really any evidence to show that, hey, if you get a 2022 release of whatever record you're listening to right now the new harry styles record it's going to sound better on that cd so yeah i mean you get that with every facet of music listening people are like well this version's really the truest form of audio quality and And honestly good for them i mean at the end of the day listen to what you listen to if you like tapes if you like streaming whatever just as long as you're listening to it but there i yeah Sometimes it's a, it's a little fishy. It's a little fishy. It's like you can't really hear the difference between CD quality uh, on the Japan, Japanese version versus the standard release. That's weird. Yeah. So at the end of the day, it is up to the ind- individual whether the price is worthwhile. Uh, some things to consider are that some of these tracks are never seen outside the Japanese market unless you are a thief. And uh, <laughs> But that being said... 
some find their way onto uh, deluxe slash anniversary editions of well-received albums. But that being said, I mean, there there's a lot of examples of like your favorite record might not be Jeff Buckley's Grace, which gets a thousand re-releases. Your favorite record may not have been received well. So are you going to see that Japanese release? Maybe not. I mean, it, it's kind of the gamble you have to take as a collector in the Western audience. Um, and a lot of collectors, it just I, I mean, they bite the bullet and they pay extra just to get that, you know, the Japanese release in its uh, true form. Um, so I got a few more uh, headlines or little uh, sections. Uh, this happens everywhere, not just Japan. I know we've been focused specifically on Japanese special releases, but this happens elsewhere. Um, unless an artist is on a large record label with a global distribution network, they will typically sign distribution rights to local labels in regions around the world. So if it's an up and coming artist, typically if you're on a small label, like there's a label based out of California called Asian Man Records, which has a lot of ska and punk bands. And I guarantee you, if you're a fan of those records, like Alkaline Trio was on that, that record label when they first got started, and if you were listening to them in, you know, I don't know, let's say Argentina, I guarantee you there's an Argentina-based record label that has a special distribution network that they just sign the rights off uh, to that specific label. Um, there are even... Uh, instances where a large artist will maintain this strategy in order to increase artistic control and benefit from additional record advances per market. The biggest example of this is Bjork. She has an individual record label with each market that she's in. She does not have a massive distribution through someone like Sony or Universal. She is completely she has an Iceland label, she has a Germany label, she has a US label. Uh, so she has multiple advances from all those markets. Uh, the obvious downside of this is that you have to maintain multiple record contracts, but she is the biggest example that I'm aware of that still does that. Um, some markets have created the opposite scenario of the Japanese exclusive track and have removed tracks to avoid negative publicity in specific culture. So I have two examples. One, uh, the Manic Street Preachers had four tracks cut from their U.S. edition of their debut album, Generation Terrorists. And then my second example is the Rolling Stones removed the song Sister Morphine from the Spanish edition of Sticky Fingers due to the overt drug references. And there's plenty of examples of that, but that's kind of that opposite example of uh, that special edition is you're missing out on stuff like that. Um, my closing thoughts on this as we wrap this up is I just have a few things to uh, kind of leave us thinking is this brings into that kind of like, oh, so many different versions of uh, releasing music nowadays. Um, could we have a future where there is album releases that are standardized and do we want something like that do you want you know all these releases uh, i mean streaming is i think doing that i think that's i think i think that's the closest thing we get to like a standardized album release system is like a lot of a lot of people will just release whether it be on only one of the streaming services or on all of them they might release their new album and go and hear the bonus tracks 
like on the on like Apple Music, for example. Let's just let's just put everything on Apple Music, the bonus tracks there. But if you want like the physical stuff, I don't think it would ever get standardized because then that kind of destroys that whole like consumer idea, right? That destroys the whole point of trying to like isolate consumers and make them purchase in their own like domestic areas. Yeah, and the people in charge of those decisions don't want to get rid of that uh, vague monopoly. I guess you could call it a monopoly. Yeah, they they don't want to make less money, even if it made sense. Yeah, I wonder so, if hey, the, I wonder how many instances there are of artists that were just like, we're just releasing the record. It's going to be the same everywhere. We're not well, giving it, you a special edition. Probably independent artists only. People who are on their own labels or releasing independently. Those are the ones that like I think they have the full control over the, what how, like how their album is released and everything. So like. They could do bonus shit if they want to, but at the end of the day, it's like they could if, if they just want to say, "All right, here, here it is. This is all you're getting for this album," and like that's it. So I was gonna say, I would think there's an aspect of the record shops and labels in Japan probably don't want to accept a standardized version either, because then there's nothing for them to sell that is potentially unique. So that's another like another roadblock if you wanted to standardize that. Even if you are an artist who has that ability. I, I think in terms of standardization, though, I'm thinking solely in the track listing. Because the Japanese release will always have that little strip, though. Like, even if like even if you like are not looking for the exclusive track, at least they'll still have that thing. And for people who want that collecting item, there's at least that bonus. That's a fair point. But I, I still feel most collectors are going to, unless, like, you're just a rabid fan um they're going to just buy if there's that extra you know i I actually don't agree with what i'm saying i I do (laughs) i know i know there's so many people who are like oh i bought this record because there's a typo on the back like yeah I mean, like, like, like the the friend I mentioned earlier. He, whenever uh, Foo Fighters released their last album, he drove to every Target, every Walmart, all of the places that had different versions of the vinyl, and got every single one in one day. And it, all, the only difference is like artwork and color. That's it. And I mean, I'm, I say that's it. That's that's a big difference for a collector. But like. You know, I think that would just go to show that if if a release doesn't have a bonus track and it just has like a subtle like like visual difference, that's enough for a lot of collectors. Yeah, you're right. I, I mean, Kohi just released a new record and they were posting, oh, it sold this many uh, units its first week. And I looked at the number. I was like, oh, that, that seems like a good amount of uh, records. And then I went on to the subreddit and I saw how many people did exactly what you're saying, Hagen, and just bought like eight copies the first week. And I was just like, holy shit, guys. Yeah. That Well, if a thousand of you guys did that, that already, that accounts for so many of these units. They, it wasn't this many that they sold. It was like, I mean, that yeah. many fans, I mean. No, no, it's, it's it's absolutely crazy, especially like the, like 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 again using like a modern and favorite example between the buried and me when they released colors too. I mean, we all saw how many variants they did of of that vinyl, and it was like people bought every single one, every single one of those, and it's just like when when you add in this extra layer of it's from somewhere else the printing is slightly different you notice all these other and like the, especially the quality of the print is diff, is better potentially that adds an extra layer for for collectors 
And like, we're not hating the player and I'm not even saying I'm hating the game because like, if that, like there are times where I'm like, I want to support an artist more, but I really like, I don't know how. And that's a way to like get something for yourself and also keep continuing that support. So good on you. I mean, like I'm a sucker for like, I own the Lord of the Rings books, but occasionally I'll see an edition with a really cool cover or like a special binding. And I'm like, okay, well, I want to get that. So like, I totally get that. But yeah, I don't know. Uh, Hagen, I did want to touch on, uh, you talked about streaming and I, I had the question written down of how does streaming play into this? And you said, you know, oh, they, they're releasing a lot of these, you know, complete editions of albums. But that also being said, there are artists and albums that vary country to country on streaming. So that's in its own way, like a special release of like, oh, if you can only listen to this album in the UK. Yeah, it, it definitely it definitely can be like its own thing. I think that if there is a standardization for release, if 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 that were to ever happen, it would exclusively happen on streaming. That would be the only play. That'd be the only platform where it could happen. But also, I, I mean, like I I do th- I mean, like it should, and it is cool that artists are like, we're only going to release this record on this streaming platform or in this country or this version of this album in this country on streaming services. Yeah. Well, that's all I had for my report, unless anybody's got anything that they want to add. Going once, going twice. I got one. I got one. This is great. This is an awesome report, dude. This is, yeah, this is killer. This yeah. is killer. Thank you. Uh, I don't know how to say goodbye in Japanese, so uh, ciao. It's a tally. <laughs> <laughs> That's good you know, shit konnichiwa, right there. Arigato. Um, that's it. Nani? Nani. <laughs> <laughs> I did the little like heart thing. The that little heart with doing. the fingers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Let's let's talk about what we're listening to. And since I have the mic, I'll go ahead and say what I've been listening to. Uh, just discovered this maybe a day or two ago, um, and I might butcher the names here, but uh, it's this album that came out this year called Topical Dancer. It's by two people uh, who are credited, uh, Charlotte Adigeri and Bolus Pupil. Uh, it's this super cool, like, electronic, like, it's not necessarily pop, but it's like this kind of, like, dance record, um, and it it's just weirdly edited it's super unique i haven't heard anything like it and if you're curious what i'm talking about like what could be so unique about this just listen to this song called ha ha it is unnerving and also super catchy and makes me want to dance it is like it's super weird it's like the best apex twin songs it makes me uncomfortable but it's super fun so I've been listening to that, and then also I've been listening to the band Muna's debut record. It's a self-titled, uh, uh, most of us know the song Silk Chiffon. Uh, that was the uh, the hit of, uh, I don't know, it feels like that song's been out forever now. But um, it's just a great pop record, and uh, I'm super enjoying that as well. That one's not unnerving at all. It's just sugar. Uh, sorry. I have. What say the names again of the first thing? What the, say the names? That's kind of funny. I want to hear that. You're making me do that, but it's <laughs> Charlotte Adigeri and then Bolus Pupil. Yeah, I mean, like, 
like, hey, I, this, this, I don't want this to sound mean, but those sound like made up names. Those sound like if, <laughs> if you were like, if you were like, I, I need to go undercover. I need to pick a name. Yeah, my name is Bolus Pupil. That is my name. <laughs> there, there's apparently a cool story behind uh, this album. I'm trying not to let it affect how I'm listening to it. I'm trying to just come to it as it is. But apparently they had worked together and made it like somebody asked them to make a song for a, a movie and they made like a song and people were like, whoa, you're too good to not like do more than this. And they were like, oh, okay. And so they made this whole album. So I'm trying to not let that affect how I view the album, but that's a cool story. Um, yeah. Hagen, what are you listening to? I've been listening to quite a few things. I'm going to just touch on just one, I think. Um, I've been listening to uh, Regina Spector's new album, Home Before and After. And um, I, I really, really like it. Um, so I didn't listen to her 20, was it 2016 release she did? Was that, what it was, was that when it came out? Remember Us to Life? I, I never listened to that. Um, but I guess that was Chamber Rock. And this is definitely a continuing con- continuation of... Uh, chamber rock Regina Spector and I really like it I think it's fucking so much fun like obviously everybody loves Soviet Kitsch and my favorite album from hers is Far um, but uh, this is a lot of fun there's like a lot of like musically dark shit um, and of course like her lyricism is just on point as normal um, I'm I'm a really I'm a really big fan of this it's 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 a fun listen I've got nothing new <laughs> All it's been three. It's been it's been nothing. two weeks, man. I've been I've, look. I've been just listening to throwback stuff because playing a lot of games put stuff. you down for Dawes. Uh, I dug into a night at the opera. I realized that I just didn't have Queen's a night at the opera. I realized I was like, man, I haven't listened to Queen's discography really. I mean, you know, they have so many deep cuts. Well, they're one of those bands too that I think everybody's like, yeah, I know Queen, and you know like five songs. Like you Queen and Eagles, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think uh, a night at the opera is a perfect record if it didn't have that "I'm in love with my car" song. Yes, yep. that's Roger Taylor, right? Yeah, I hate every single every single Roger Taylor song. <laughs> dude can play drums. Dude He's can consistent. Sing. But I hate his fucking meme songs from the seventies. Yeah, and then weird. like you have these like masterpieces. Like you even like the deep cuts on that record, thirty nine, which is like Brian May can write some badass songs. And yeah. then you have this. I'm in love with my fucking car. Get yeah. fucked, dude. <laughs> this is a weird one. It makes me. It makes me. Reminds me of Taylor Hawkins. The way that he had like Chevy Metal and all his side projects and stuff. Way to make me feel like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it reminds me of that dead drummer that I really am sad about. Adam? <laughs> On that note, um, no, I've listened to uh, Perfume Genius's new album, Ugly Season, uh, which, speaking of chamber rock, this is chamber poppy, kind of, and uh, it's really good. It's very different, so if you're expecting more of the same, that's not what you're going to get, but I think it's really well done. Um, yeah. Hell yeah, guys. We Fuck yeah. It. Nice. Yeah. Well, very cool. I, I, I don't think any of us have any. Well, I guess we do. We have a show this Friday. If anybody's in the Denton area, uh, Moniker will be opening up at Andy's Bar on Friday, July 15th. 
We go on at 8 p.m., and then there's a lot of great bands after us. King Clam, Hagen's playing two sets with his other band, the Static <laughs> Creatures. So come on out to that. We'll be out there hanging out. Um, yeah, we're going to be we're gonna be playing the fastest set you've ever heard. And I don't mean <laughs> that like, oh, it's going to be over before you know it. I mean that like we're going to like blaze through our songs. It's going to be... It's going to be hot and heavy. That's the only it, plug I got. It's going to be hot. It's definitely going to be hot. Uh, yep. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, that, that's that's going to be a super fun night. This weekend's going to be a blast. Uh, lots of me and Dave are playing uh, three gigs together this weekend. So it's going to be a good time. Um, you heard it here first. The boys are going to be blasting together three times this weekend. <laughs> about, well, about eight, eight or nine different sets. <laughs> Of blasting together. Wow. It's going to smell it's like bleach. A lot of it's outside, baby. Let's Outdoors. go. <laughs> uh, anybody got anything else? Nope. No. I think you, you got a, a, a real good way of wrapping us up. I do? Yeah. No pressure. <laughs> I just I, meant like you do the website and stuff. Oh. I see. I was like, I thought. I, I, I do thought declare. Meant, I, I thought. I thought you meant like you had set me up for some fucking like slam dunk closer or something, and I was like, holy shit, what did I miss? Uh, thank you guys for listening. We really appreciate it. Uh, it's nice to be back with the boys. Nice to be back talking about music. And Jackson truly did kill it. This report is really organized and awesome. So thank you, Jackson, for this. Um, thank you guys for listening. If you haven't already, please follow or subscribe on whatever podcast app you are using. Uh, you can uh, follow us on social media, DFTA Podcast on Instagram, and Don't Feed the Artist on Facebook. Um, and if you have uh, any thoughts about these uh, this the, this Japanese special editions episode or uh, any other special edition releases, you can email us at uh, special edition at don'tfeedtheartist.com. Uh, or you can email us at uh, hi guys, I missed you at don'tfeedtheartist.com. Uh, so thank you for listening and fuck off. Get me a special edition towel. <laughs> Bonus. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> <laughs>